Well, hello, Abundant Life family. Pastor Roy here. Uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, wanted to, uh, I wanted to bring the word to you today, and uh, I wanted to give you some perspective on some things today that are uh, becoming, that have become very real to us. We are in, uh, I think this is week five of our Restored series, um, and today, uh, strangely enough, and it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this, uh, we are talking about being restored to health. Now, you might say. Well, Pastor Roy, you can't, you can't talk about health today. I want you to know that I absolutely can and will because of what the Word of God says. So let me read us a couple of verses of Scripture from Genesis chapter 3. Um, and this verse might sound like just the opposite, but it really is the beginning of, the, uh, of what we lost because of Adam's sin that we then were restored to through Jesus. It's Genesis chapter 3. Verse 19, we read this, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that I can be here. Uh, I thank you that uh, not only that this technology is available for us to uh, take the Word of God into all these homes and to minister your Word to all of these people, Lord. But I, I thank you that I'm able to be here. And I give you praise, Father. Oh, I bless you. I thank you. Uh, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy, Father. There is none like you. Mm, none like you. And we bless you. So, Holy Spirit, uh, I pray for your anointing. Anointing that makes up the uh, deficiency of this uh, weak body and uh, anointing that touches every heart that will hear this, that it might be used for your kingdom and for your glory, Father. Use it. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, thank you so much for being here with us. Let me give you a couple of other things that are really important that I want to make sure that you know. Just a little report, if you will. Uh, Leanne is home now. She came home yesterday. Uh, she's doing very well. Um, she was very, very ill. Um, hadn't given you a lot of, uh, in fact, I hadn't mentioned anything on a video, uh, but last uh, Sunday, Mother's Day morning, uh, when I woke her up, uh, her oxygen level was very precariously, life-threateningly low. Um, and uh, had she gone, I, I really believe, uh, had we not been so attentive to her oxygen level using uh, a pulse oximeter, had we not been so attentive to that, uh, it, it was a life-threatening situation. I called an ambulance uh, that morning, and they came and transported her. And she spent the next five uh, five days in the hospital uh, just uh, to clear the clear the uh, infection in her lungs, and to uh, begin to just to bring her oxygen level back up to where it could be sustained. Uh, that period of time has passed for her. She is uh, well. In fact, she was cleaning today, uh, so that'll tell you something about how she's feeling. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't, uh, and if you know anything about uh, COVID-19, um, I, um, I had a very different version of it. And that's what's so interesting. I'm just six months older than Leanne. Uh, she doesn't have any uh, great extenuating. She has uh, one health problem, but she's not diabetic. She doesn't have any heart disease. Neither of us are smokers. We don't have uh, consistent high, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, and yet... This disease hit her completely different than it did me. My symptoms have primarily been constrained to extreme fatigue, uh, muscle aches that are just uh, terrible, uh, headache, 
that doesn't go away, um, and fever that uh, for about five days was consistent and now comes and goes. And so I go from feeling almost normal to on a, in a, within a course of an hour, just being, just being wiped out. So we appreciate your prayers. You say, Pastor Roy, why, why are you sharing all that? Because it provides a very, I think, a very worthwhile context, a very worthwhile situation from, from where we talk about healing about what we've been restored to. Um, and uh, I had a number of people say, look, just just let Pastor Chris's sermon be aired at both campuses. Take the week off um, as early, as late as an uh, hour and a half ago. My wife was saying, you don't have to do this. You've got staff. There was just something that said, no, I think you need to hear this from me today because some of you, um, have faced similar circumstances, and you have questions that I think we're going to answer today. And maybe, just maybe, because of my circumstance, you'll hear it for the first time. That's my prayer. Uh, we read this section of Scripture from Genesis chapter 3. Uh, as part of the curse that fell on Adam and Eve's sin, sickness and death became a part of mankind's life. Up until this point, there had never been a time where there was any sense that Adam, from what we can tell theologically, certainly from what's written in the Word, there was never any indication, there was never any indication that Adam would die, or that they grew sick, or that they grew tired, or that there was any decay of any kind upon them or upon the environment in which they lived. However, uh, their disobedience brought all of that. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, we read about the consequence. They were taken from the dust, and to the dust you shall return. And at that moment, decay began in the physical body of both Adam and Eve and all of their lineage. And you and I live under the consequence of that. Now, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, remember the, the whole context of this is that we've been restored to something. In this case, we've been restored to health. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection, we have been restored to health. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Matthew 27, 51 says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. This, this tearing of this veil, if you don't know what this is, the temple had sort of three levels. The innermost level was called the Holy of Holies. It was a fairly small room. It was the doorway, the entrance. It didn't have wooden doors. It had an entrance that was covered by a woven, really heavy tapestry veil. And that veil, without seam, we believe, uh, only one person, one time a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. It was in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory of God could be seen, where the Ark was there. Uh, and, and, the, um, and the presence of God was so real that it was not something that the Jewish people took lightly. When Jesus died on the cross, not, not, it's what's interesting is that I don't know of any Old Testament prophetic scripture that says that the veil was going to be torn, but it is. The, the veil, that huge tapestry is ripped from top to bottom. It's symbolic. It is symbolic of the fact that the way into the Holy of Holies, the way into the presence of God, 
which was not available to you and I before, is now available. That is so, I love the richness of the symbolism there and the things that are being indicated to you and I. So we now have been restored to the presence of God that Adam and Eve lost, and when they were in his presence, they lived without decay, they lived without sickness, they lived without fear of death, they, they lived a perfect life. Now, if you're a logical thinker like I am, and I know a lot of you are, then a very real question is then, yeah, but Pastor Roy, you're sitting there with coronavirus. Yes, I am. Uh, here I am. Last Mother's Day, as I said, an ambulance took Leah into the ER, and she spent the next five days overcoming the effects of the virus on her. Um, very real, very real uh, estimate, I believe. She was half a day from needing a ventilator, and she was probably one full day, had it not been taken care of, of being in heaven, church. That's how, that's how low her oxygen level was. So I sit before you today, hmm, Having lived through, even though I didn't talk to you about it, in fact, I didn't really talk to anybody about it, uh, a few very close that I let know the, the real seriousness of what we were going through. Um, because things can get, uh, well, I, I heard, I had two different people call me from around the state of Illinois asking me uh, how Leanne was doing on a ventilator. That's how the story had already been exploded. She was never on a vent. Uh, but... Here's, here's the reality. If we've been restored, then how is that possible? Did, did we pray? Did, oh my goodness. There was a moment, there was a moment on Friday hmm, when I was standing at my patio door. She was getting sicker. Uh, I had not yet started having any symptoms. And I leaned my head against the door of our patio and I just began to call out on the Lord. I began to pray. And his presence was so real, so sweet. You ever have that sense like a, like a warm liquid is just pouring onto the top of your head and just oozes down you? And I'm telling you, I knew. I knew in that moment. Here was the sense of it. She was going to be fine, and I was going to be well. And yet here I sit still suffering from fevers every day and so how how do how do I how do I balance those did 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 we pray oh my goodness I, I had one message where I had posted about Leanne being in the hospital with over 500 comments on Facebook of people saying praying praying for you praying for her interceding I've never posted anything that had 500 comments not not reactions but comments. People all over the nation were praying. People of great faith, people of great belief, people that, that I see as heroes of the faith. So then maybe we needed more faith. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I, maybe I, now listen, I'm, I'm going to be what I hope you don't perceive as being disrespectful to anyone. That's not my intention, but I do want to undermine some things that I think the enemy uses at times to bring condemnation and to bring fear and to bring rejection and to isolate people away from the presence of a loving, powerful, good God. 
Maybe I should have reached out, taken her by the hand, and actually said the words, come on, get up, you can get up. If I had have, if I had have exercised that sort of expression of faith, come on, sweetie, take a deep breath, you can get up, you're healed in the name of... So it was the physical thing. Is that it? Is that what was necessary? You know, I, I didn't put any oil on her. I didn't go, we, we have olive oil here. I didn't get any olive oil and dab it on her, according to James. Is that is that what was missing? Is it was a part of the formula that I left out. And if I had put that piece in, she would have not ended up in the hospital. I wouldn't have the virus today. I didn't, I didn't ask the elders of the church to come here. James 5, 14. If I had brought them here and we had taken oil, then she would have been well. Is that, is that the deal? We, I missed a piece? Is, is, that, is that what it is? Well, listen, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, and I am a little cranked up about it, if you can tell, because the, the, just the resounding answer to all of that is no. No, that's not the God you serve. He's, he's, not, he's not expecting you to get the formula just right, or you to, you know, if, you, if you, get the, you get the dance just right, or you get the tempo just right, or you become something that you're not. You, you, you stir up something that you don't have. You get the right people. You go to the right meeting. You read the right book. You memorize the right scriptures. Oh, my goodness, church. Come on now. I want you to get this in you. That is not, that's not what's necessary. It's good to be fervent in your faith. We're going to talk about that. But was there some piece of the formula that we left out? If we are then restored, and if we prayed then why am I still sick? Why, why do we pray sometimes and people don't get healed? That's why I wanted to do this sermon this week. I, uh, I wanted to speak from this, this point of weakness, and that's the only way, that's the most profound um, symptom of this. Just fatigue. Oh, my goodness. I wanted to speak from this weakness so that in our, come on, you know this, that in our weakness, he might be found to be strong. You see, that's the real deal. There are some things that we must understand, church, and I hope that I can make these very deep theological truths real to your life and I, I hope that they provide a sense of peace, rest, trust, faith, strength, all of that in the very uncertain days that will undoubtedly come to our lives again. Number one, here's one of them. Just a couple of points, and uh, I'll try to be as concise with them as I can. But I want you to know today that there is no formula whereby we completely escape the frailty of our human bodies. Let me say that differently. You're not ever going to get to a place where if you pray it right or say it right or get the right person or the right group, where you will never grow sick and where you will live forever. That's not going to happen. That, that might sound a little facetious. You say, well, no, of course, uh, nobody lives forever. We, we all eventually get old and die. But see, that's sort of the problem. We, we don't ever... We don't ever want to give up. We're, we're hardwired by God to want more days here. And you're not ever going to escape that. 
But once again, there is no formula whereby we completely escape the frailty of our human bodies. I want you to hear that again. According to God's word, there is no formula whereby we escape the frailty of these human bodies. And if you've ever felt like maybe if you had prayed better or harder or longer for some loved one, I want you to know that that's the devil bringing condemnation to your life. You don't have a father who would withhold his goodness because you didn't check off the boxes right. That's not who he is. That's not his character. That's not his heart. That's not the way his kingdom operates. How do I know that there is no formula? Because I've known so many great men and women of God. People who were giants in the faith. Some of you have heard me tell the story of a missionary in the Philippines who was just a great, just my example of what a genuine Christ follower, hero of faith in power was, Brother Dwight Palmquist. I got to meet him when I went out to preach there in the Philippines. And he passed away a little over a month ago from cancer. He lived a great godly life one, what I have to believe, were thousands and thousands of people across the Philippines to the Lord, lived out of his van, didn't have a house, would disappear for months in the jungle. Many, many stories of God's miraculous deliverance and saving him and healing him and protecting him when people were coming to kill him, how God would, and yet he died of a disease. You say, yeah, but he was old. Well, how old is old enough for us? There is no formula, no matter who you are, where we completely escape the frailty of these human bodies. No one lives to be a thousand, church. How many would be enough? We hold on to life so tenaciously. And let me show you this. You might have the belief, and I understand. You might have the... <coughs> Excuse me. You might have the belief that if you grew your faith to a large enough extent that you would lose hold of this world and be so completely enraptured by God that sickness couldn't touch you and that you wouldn't have any concern. Watch this. That's not biblical. Paul does say, I don't know what is better to be here in the body or to be to go on and be with the Lord, but he, he's not talking about that he wants to die. He's, he is grown in his understanding of the presence of God, that he is weighing out the merits of both, but that doesn't mean that he's despondent here. Watch this. If you had to pick out a, a New Testament example of someone who was just the prototypical example of what it means to have faith in, in the Father, to believe in an eternal kingdom, to believe in heaven, to believe in what comes next. I don't think anybody would question you if you said Jesus was our best example of that. And yet, watch this. Scripture says that Jesus, facing his impending suffering and death in the Garden of Gethsemane, was so stressed with that, he sweats great drops of blood. Wait a minute, doesn't, doesn't he have the ability to just supersede his humanity and just be heavenly minded and not worry about that because he knows what comes next? No, he doesn't. 
He still clings. His humanity causes him. He is fully God and fully man. And the fully man part of him causes him to cling to his life. He's fully submitted to the Father's will. But he cannot shut that part off of him that wants to live. And that is incredibly stressed at the thought that he's not going to. How then can we? I just want you to hold on to that. We hold on to life so tenaciously. Even Jesus struggled when faced with the loss of his life. And so are you and I. No amount of faith is ever going to completely remove that. Now, I do think that God gives special grace. I've seen it. For those standing at death's doorway, where this life does lose its hold, and they begin, I believe, to see what's coming. But listen, it in that moment, faith is replaced by sight. But we don't have that. We live in this realm where we don't see. And that leads me to what I really wanted to get you to today. What I believe to be the most significant core value of who we are as Christ followers. The, 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 it's the stuff. It's the, it's the thing that is more important than the rest of the things. You ready? I've written this statement out. I've said it to you, but I really want to make sure that it registers for you today. In this context, here it is. Without a question, there is no faith. Without the presence of a question, there is no faith. I'm not trying to be philosophical. If you remove every scenario but one, you take the Y out of the road. It's a single road. You take the intersection away where there are multiple things that might happen, and you reduce that to just one thing that will happen. You don't need any faith in that thing. It's the question, what's going to happen? brings about the environment in which faith exists. Without a question, there is no faith. If we could bring ourselves, listen, if we could bring ourselves and God to a place where we, now listen, I'm going to use a word that we like to use and that you may have thought about this way, but if we could bring ourselves and God to a place where we know, I know, I'm not talking about I know whom I have believed in. I'm not talking about in who he is and his character. But if I can bring myself and God to a place where I know that something will occur whenever I want it to, I don't need to have any faith in who God is. I know what's going to be happening. There's coming a moment when that will be our reality, when we'll see face to face, according to 1 Corinthians, when we will know, not in part, but as we are known. But I'm not there yet, and neither are you and you're not intended to be there yet. Without a question, there is no faith. If we get ourselves and God to a place where we know that something will occur, we have removed the crucial, a the most crucial component of our relationship with God, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that I can't see. If you create a scenario where I can just say, I know what's going to happen. If, 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 this, if this coronavirus comes on me, I'm just going to pray and it's going to be gone. I know that that sounds like an expression of faith. But if you're not careful, 
that can become, I think, religious rhetoric that removes trust in a sovereign God whose plan is beyond my understanding and beyond my knowing and beyond my right to ask him to justify himself in any way. My life belongs to him. Not just, not just when I feel good. Not just when everyone loves you. Not when everything's going right. When the ambulance is driving down your driveway with the love of your life in the back of it and you still can bless the Lord. Now you got some faith. But if fear overwhelms you when you don't know, then you need to check your faith. Because faith is the stuff, church. Faith is the thing that sustains you. Faith is the thing without which is it, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't, you can't only, you can't pigeonhole God to where only good things are a possibility in your life. Now, we'll talk about does God bring bad things in a moment, but listen, it's faith. Faith is the thing, church. God left valleys in our lives. He left things unknown and unseen. Over and over in the New Testament, several places, there's the word mystery. The mystery of godliness is great. It says the, the mystery of the things of God. There are, there are unknown things. There are unknown depths. There are unknown circumstances. I've got days out in front of me that I can't know. I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed about the story of the calling of the disciples. Jesus is walking along the seashore. And he calls Peter, James, and John. Do you remember the story? Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they leave their boat, and they leave, um, James and John leave their father, and they follow Jesus. Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I wonder if we flashed forward, and if Jesus told them the whole story. Watch this. If you read in Hebrews, you get a picture of some of the ending of some of their lives. If he said to James... James, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, and one day you'll be run through with the sword. Does James say, no, I think I'll just sit here in the boat? He couldn't, he couldn't handle it then. There was, there was no faith in the kingdom. There was no vision of who God was yet. There was no sense of who Jesus really was. Faith hadn't taken hold in his life. So Jesus doesn't give him the whole story. He leaves the unknown. He leaves the valleys. He leaves some of the questions. Because without a question out there somewhere, there is no faith. What are the, what's the purpose of those unknown days? What's the purpose of this? I had a miraculous thing happen, at least for me. And I don't know if you'll see this or not, but my uh, oldest uh, 
half-brother on my mom's side. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the best way I can describe him to you. His name's David. He's called me a couple of times over the course of this, Leanne being in the hospital and me being sick, and that's pretty unusual. He's called me twice. If he calls me once every two years, he's a wonderful, he's a great guy. But its I wouldn't say that we are close. We were close when we were kids, but we're not now. And he called me, and on the second call, he said something to me. He said, Roy, he said, I just want you to know, he said, you know we're not church people. He said, but we've been praying for you. He said, because of all the, all the people in the world, he said, that we know, we think God should take care of you and your family. Mm. I love that, but God leaves the unknown, church. He leaves the unknown out there. What's the purpose of this sickness? I don't know. If it was just that phone call from my brother, it was worth every fever I've had. I don't know what the Lord is going to do there, but I know what my prayer is now. What's the purpose of these tests and trials? Hmm. Let me read you some scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. What's the purpose of the unknown, of the valleys, of the trials? What are they for? Peter writes this. Blessed be, now listen, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's what I got. It's a living hope. What do you mean, Pastor? Even when you're sick? Oh, man, yeah, it's a living hope. One day I'm not going to be sick anymore ever. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See how that sounds like the Restoration series? To an inheritance, there it is. That is imperishable. These bodies are perishable. But one day, I'm going to receive an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Oh, look! At, listen to those words again. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Man, that's good. Kept in heaven for you. Wait a minute. I'm not in heaven. No. The place where I get my inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for me, who by God, this is me now and you, who by God's power are being guarded, how? Through faith. Through faith. God's power guards you through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You think, wait a minute, I'm already saved. Yeah, but there's something more coming to a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Listen now, you got to get this. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes again, faith is going to reveal itself, and it's going to, re it's going to result in praise and glory and honor. Mm. But we demand an answer. We demand an answer because we want to know why. Lord, why? How come we pray for one and they didn't, and we prayed for another and they got, well, Lord, why? I want to know why. I, I want you to tell me 
the formula, Lord. I want you to explain to me why it happened that way. I want you to explain to me why I'm feeling this loss. I want you to explain to me why that thing closed or why they left. All of it. I, Lord, I want, you to, I want you to take this away. I want you to explain. Now, I say this with the most respect for those who might be living in that right now. I know some of you. I know what you're going through. I know what you've lost. And I have some sense of the pain that you're feeling. My sweetie came back home. Some of yours didn't. I get it. So I want you to hear this with as much grace and as much love as I can say it. And it's okay if you say this. There's no condemnation in this. If you ask the Lord why, that's all right. Ask him why. But I want to register this thought in the back of your mind. But no condemnation in it. We demand an answer only when we see ourselves as someone to whom an answer is owed. God doesn't owe me an answer. He doesn't have to justify his actions to me and you. He doesn't have to explain himself. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to make known his reasoning and his rationale. His ways are higher than my ways and your ways. There were some other people in the scripture, and it's amazing to me how we see their lives, but we forget them. How I see their lives, and then I forget them. Job, who we think of as a great man of faith, who endured untold loss, who doesn't know while it's going on what's going on in the heavens. Job didn't require an answer. In Job chapter 13, verse 15, listen to this. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. You say, oh, no, great faith would produce healing. Raise the dead. Okay, maybe. But an even greater faith says, I will serve him no matter what happens. That's the stuff, church. That's the stuff. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't need an answer. Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar. They are facing a fiery furnace for not having bowed before the image that he's erected in the plain of Dura. And they say to them, If this be so, King, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's faith. We don't know what he'll do. We don't know whether we're going to burn up or not. We just know what he's told us to do and what he's told us to be. And we're going to do it regardless of the circumstances. That's what I want to grow to, church. I think that's what the Lord wants all of us to grow to. Is it easy? Oh, my goodness. It's, it strikes right at our most our most ingrained, our most, our most enculturated, our most psychologically uh, enforced sense of who we are, our well-being, our preservation, our protection, our... So, yeah, it's, it's the mountain that we climb. 
So that then leaves with just a couple of questions, and let me wrap this up. So is it God's will that you get sick then? Absolutely not. Remember, God put in place what his intentions were, that we live with him forever in a place that was perfect, with no sickness, no death, completely provided for. But we live in a realm and under systems of a world that has fallen. We live in bodies that have not yet been redeemed. You say, what? I thought we'd been saved. Yes, our spirit, our soul has been redeemed, but not these bodies yet. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm saved to the uttermost. I'm saved, yes, but listen. Romans chapter 8, I've shared it before, but I want to read it to you again. I won't read the whole section, just this one verse. Paul wrote this, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We got the first part of it grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's coming. We're just not there yet. These bodies still live in a fallen system, a fallen world. They are part of a system that was never God's plan. But we can't escape this world via just hoping that we do. We escape this world via the grave or the rapture, and then we'll be free of these bodies. Between now and then, it's all about faith. So how do we answer the question about why sometimes people are healed and other times they're not? How come Pastor James does tell us to call the elders of the church? There's a deep discussion about those verses we can do sometime. We won't do it today, but listen. How come sometimes we pray People get healed, and other times they don't. How do we answer that question? I'm your pastor. How do I answer that question? Here it is. You ready? I don't. That's not my question to answer. I don't answer it. I have faith in a God who does not explain himself to me. I know his character. I know his heart. I know he loves me immensely, and I know he loves you. How come sometimes the kingdom of God inserts itself in and divine supernatural healing comes? Is it because somebody did the formula right? They got the, they got the right thing. They grew to... No, I don't believe that. I don't believe I had any shortage of faith. I don't believe there was anything wrong with the prayer that I prayed. I don't think there was anything wrong with any of that. I know who I am, and I know who my Father is. I just don't require an answer. This isn't our home. This isn't where I'm trying to stay. Right now it is. <laughs> I'm trying to get well. But this isn't ultimately where we end up. Here's the thing that I need you to get today as we close this. We have been restored to health. Here's the reality of what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection and in the stripes on his back and all of that. Before Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, you couldn't even ask. There was no hope. There was no place. There was no access. There was only darkness. There was only death. Before Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, we died here and there. We died twice. The Bible even uses that language the first death, and the second death. There will come a day for all of us, if the rapture of the church doesn't occur before that moment, when we will die. 
No amount of prayer, no amount of faith will stop that. How many days is enough? I don't know, but I tend to believe that if I've still got children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I'm going to want a few more days. That's the way I'm wired. But there'll come a moment, and if that's tomorrow, which I don't think it is, but I don't know. But if it is, oh my goodness, I've, I'm only ever going to die one time, not the second one. I'm not going to be separated from the Father and placed in an eternity without Him. And neither are you if you love Him. If you're watching this and you don't know Him, that's what you have to come. Two deaths. A physical death and a spiritual death. A separation from the Father. You can fix that today. You can fix that right now. Ask the Father to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life. Comment on this stream. I was saved. Something. Let some Ask Him into your heart. Lord, forgive me. Take my sins. Cast them away from me. Write my name in the Lamb's book. You don't have to know any of those titles. Ask the Lord to become the Savior of your life. Ask Him to take over your life, and He will. And then you can face circumstances like the ones that we've been facing. The very unknown. We didn't know how this would proceed. We didn't know if we would end up on ventilators. We didn't. So many unknowns. Praise the Lord that we're doing good, as many are. But you don't have to be afraid. Before Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, we couldn't even ask. We died here, and then we died eternally. The worst we will suffer here is a single death lead us to eternal life in Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. God bless you. We, we're looking forward to being back together with you as soon as possible. Um, you need to know that we are uh, taking steps to uh, uh, prepare everything that we can, building-wise and systems-wise and policies, so that we can be together as soon as we can. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.